praise the Lord that once again we have the opportunity to, to read from his word. I'm going to give you an exam. In, in relation to the sermon I gave three weeks ago. When we spoke about trusting in God. I, I preached that there were three things which stopped us trusting God. So three weeks ago I mentioned three things which prevent us from fully trusting God. And I want to continue on that same subject. But I want to test you and see, do you remember what those three obstacles are which prevent us from fully trusting in God? Fear. We haven't done. <laughs> we haven't done that one yet. Circumstances. Present circumstances. <laughs> we haven't done that yet. That's today's sermon. I think You're telling me about today's sermon. I want to hear about the one three weeks ago. If you rely on three things, it stops you, prevents you from trusting in God. What were those things? If we rely on our intelligence, we can limit God if we rely on our own intelligence. If we rely on our acquaintances and friends, that, that's today's sermon again. To rely on the visible, what we see with our eyes. And relying on our feelings can prevent us from fully trusting God. And if you remember, I, I went into quite a lot of detail about each of these things. <laughs> Because if we really want to trust in God, we always meet with difficulties. And we have to recognize those things which prevent us from trusting in God. And the continuation which I'm going to preach today. Which Alice already noted, which is relying on those people around us and comparing our lives with their lives. This can really have a negative effect on our faith. God has a separate and unique plan for each of our lives. And when we want to compare the plan that God has for our life uh, with the lives of someone else or other people, 
then we interrupt God's plan. We can definitely learn from the experiences of other people. But we shouldn't rely on the experience of others. For example, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. And told them that if you do follow me, when you follow me, you'll be martyred for your faith. Your legs and your arms will be bound and you'll be taken places which you do not want to go. Now Peter was friends of John. And he was curious to see what was going to happen to John. And he said, he said to Jesus, Okay, but what's going to happen to John? <laughs> Jesus said to Peter, that's nothing to do with <laughs> you. That's none of your business. John's life is none of your business. <laughs> but Peter didn't give up. He said, Lord, so I understand my destiny is to be martyred. But will John live? Until you come back, is he going to live forever? Jesus didn't give an answer again. He said, it's none of your business. If I want John to stay alive until I come back, then that's nothing to do with you. You just follow me. That's what I want from you. And I'll tell John what I want from John. This is a problem that we face. We are too concerned with each other's lives. Such and such a person got married, but I didn't get married. Such and such a person got divorced, why aren't I divorced? Such and such a person died, why am I still living? Such and such a person has one bedroom more in their house than I have. That, that person traveled to a different country. I haven't even seen London yet. And similar comparisons. And this type of mentality prevents us from trusting in God. This stops us, prevents us from understanding God's plan for our lives. And it really gets in the way. And often when we're so concerned and obsessed with these comparisons, we really have a difficult time. If you read Psalm 73, we see that the psalmist there is, in a, is a time of great difficulty and turmoil. The psalmist there says, I look around me and I see that wicked people have greater success in life than the believers. 
Those that don't believe in God look healthy, they're rich, they have success in their lives. They've, they've achieved something in their lives. And just facts show that they seem happier, they're, they're, they're happier people. And when I compare myself to those people, the psalmist says, I see that next to them I'm, I look pathetic. And as a result, his inner life is in turmoil. And he becomes bitter. He falls into doubt. It's a very rich psalm which, which wonderfully demonstrates just what happens to a person when they start comparing their lives with that of other people. Praise God that at the end of the psalm, the psalmist is taken into the Lord's presence and he opens his eyes, the Lord opens his eyes that he may see what the future of the unbelievers is and the future of the believers. And God shows him that you are too quick to judge. And the same happens very often in our own lives. For example, if we learn today that someone we know has cancer, the first thing that we think is, well, when is that person going to die? That person hasn't died yet, but we're already starting to think about their funeral. Why do we think that way? Because it's become normal for us that if someone, receive, uh, someone has cancer, and the doctors also don't see any hope in the cancer regressing, then we expect that person to die. And we don't stop to think of asking God what God's plan is for that person. We instead rely on the experiences we have and we've learned from other cancer sufferers. I have gone through difficulty in my life. And because of the difficulty I have gone through, sometimes I don't have the full freedom of faith in relation to types of healings and, and, and uh, miracles. On the latest trip I took to visit our Persian-speaking uh, ministers, they told me a testimony of something that had happened. They said in our cell group, there's a lady who's only just got married recently. And she really wanted to have kids. She loved kids. But a few months after her marriage, she received, she had cancer of the womb. And the doctor said, before the cancer spreads to other organs, we have to remove your womb. But the woman said, I want to have kids, I want to have children. The doctor said, it's impossible, you can't. Your health is more important than that. And they, so they removed the womb. A few months later, that woman becomes pregnant. And she goes to the same doctor. And he examines her. 
and uh, that's all the relevant experience. And the doctor sees there's a new womb in that woman and uh, she's pregnant already. And the doctor says, I've been a doctor for 30 years. I've never seen this. And if one of my colleagues told me about this, I wouldn't have believed them. It's a new womb. With a fetus. And the lady said, uh, are you willing to write a report that you've seen this? And he said, yes, I am. The doctor writes the report. And I read that report with my own eyes. I, whoever the name is, on this date, I removed the uterus of this woman. And because of cancer, Four months later, a new womb has been created in its place with no signs of cancer and she's pregnant. That's a miracle. And the doctor wrote in the report that these people claim that Jesus Christ did this. And from our medical experience and from our medical perspective, this is incomprehensible. We shouldn't rely on our own experiences. God has a separate plan for each and every person. If we, got, if we cannot understand things that take place in some people's lives, we shouldn't generalize and assume that everyone will go through that same experience. God has a separate and unique plan for each and every one of us. And we need to rely on God. When Peter was walking on the water and he saw the storm, he doubted and started to sink. It's very good when we receive blessing from others. It's very good that our faith is edified by others. It's very good that we learn from other people's experiences. But be very careful not to rely on other people. Because the, the Bible says, Cursed is the man who puts his faith in man. Each of us has a separate and unique plan from God. And our faith should not be based on the words of other people. The fifth thing which uh, prevents us from fully trusting God is to rely on and trust in our present circumstances without looking at the future. I think each so relying on that which is taking place right now in the present. And as a result, being hopeless when it comes to anything in the future. This is contrary to faith. Because in faith, there is patience. In uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, it says, you need patience in order to receive the promise of God. 
So we need patience. And if certain things aren't happening as quickly as we like now in the present, we shouldn't say, well, in that case, I forsake my faith. Because faith is being sure of things that have not yet happened. Before, before communism collapsed in Russia, if we told you this would happen, that the Soviet Union would collapse, would you have believed us? Because for 70 years, communism was reigning in that land. And they say that Stalin alone was responsible for the deaths of 30 million people. Can really such, such cruel megalomaniacs be removed from, from the earth? Could you have imagined that Lenin's statue would be removed and the cross of Christ would have been put in its place? But that happened. And it happens now in the world. And we believe in faith that soon that the same will happen in Iran. That is what we believe in and that's what we go forward with. Many of us, like myself and uh, Brother Lazarus and Brother Sam, who believe that this type of revival can happen in Iran, make fun of us. Some of them tell us to our face when, and they make fun of us. Others don't say anything. <laughs> but they, we know that they secretly think, well, you know, you're... You're trying to comfort yourselves, um, you know, thinking in such hopeless fantasies. Do you really believe these Islamic leaders will just leave? Do you really believe that the Islamic regime will collapse though? They're infantile thoughts. You're speaking, you're speaking in a ridiculous... It's just a fantasy land. And uh, Brother Haig and Brother Dibaj have been martyred for no purpose whatsoever. Many believers say these type of things. They've said the same to Joseph and Andre. What a waste, what a shame that they gave their lives for such a pointless mission. And we're always being challenged with things like this. And we're always hearing and looking at what the enemy is telling us. The present news, the news that we hear on TV. The persecution that we hear about. Brothers and sisters, real faith has hope and looks to the future. And looks forward to a shining, bright future. And is certain that the present circumstances will not continue forever. And God, in his timing, will change many things. Jesus told Peter, that which is happening now, you do not understand, but there will come a time when you will understand in full. And we believe in these things. One of our, one of our incredible martyrs was Brother Dibaj. 
who was in prison for uh, nine years and one month and for two and a half years in solitary confinement and they really made him suffer and they really tried to get a denial of his faith from him but he remained steadfast when he was released from prison they asked him Dibaj, when you were in prison and your wife left you and your children were left like orphans small children the church kept them and raised them now praise God each of those children have grown up and they're in the faith and they have wonderful families was there ever a time when you were in prison where you thought what is the point of this why am I even bothering during Christmas time during the holidays when you were alone weren't you thinking well brother Edwards brother Edward brother Hyke are in their homes their families it's warm they're sitting around the Christmas tree having a good time and here I am stuck in this miserable place all on my own didn't you become depressed he said yes of course I did I, was, I struggled with those thoughts I said what did you do when that was happening first of all the first thing I did every single morning was in the name of Jesus to silence all the storms that were taking place in my mind and all around me the second thing I would do was to remind myself that God brought me to prison because he had a specific purpose in that and I was focused on that purpose. And I was thinking, God has a plan in Iran. That's why I'm here. And because of that plan, he needs me to be in prison at this time. And I must pay the price for that plan right now. And I knew that I am part of God's plan. And because of that, I didn't envy you outside prison when he gave that answer I said now Dibaj I have something to tell you I was envious of you because you have reached a level of glory and an understanding of glory that we are still very far away from Another martyr was uh, Pastor Mikalyan, an Armenian. He translated 60 Christian books from English into Iranian. And he was a pastor as well. He was a very strong, powerful man. He was a pastor of the Presbyterian Church. But a charismatic man. I asked him, I said, Pastor, you translate so many books, don't you get tired of it? Why do you do it? Do you know what he said? He says, I know my time is short. And there's a voice inside me which says, 
do as much as you can in the time that you've been given. I'm not translating all these books for a small number of believers that exist in Iran today. I believe that millions can come to faith in this country and they'll need literature, they'll need books, so I need to work really hard and make sure they're done. He was doing it for the future. He was living with that hope. The people of God have a vision for the future. And today we need to be the same people. If you've been praying for certain things and you haven't had the answer yet, but the Holy Spirit tells you to continue praying, don't lose your hope. Don't become, don't despair. Because despair is the is the opposite to the word faith. Don't let despair come upon you. Look at the plan that God has for the future. As time goes by, in God's timing, He will implement the plans He has for your life. Be patient. Be patient. Don't be like the man that says, Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. Because that type of prayer won't get answered. God is teaching us patience. And he wants us to trust in him and wait to see what he will do, what great things he will do in the fullness of time. There's one other thing I'd like to talk about today which prevents us from trusting God. Narrow mindedness. Uh, it is relying on our narrow minded um, view of, of life. Being narrow minded. Having no vision. Having no revelation. Having a closed mind. There are many believers now who have no revelation from God. They read the Bible and they don't, they don't receive any revelation from it. Do you remember what a blessed sermon we heard last week from Brother Ashot? All of us know that story, don't we? But he spoke for one hour on that portion of scripture, which we all know well, but I learned so much from it that was new. During his sermon, there are times when I just wanted to hug him and say, thank you. When something is revealed, 
then you can rely on that in faith. But when you have no revelation, there's no light, your mind has not been illuminated and opened. How can you rely and trust in something which is not clear to you? This is why Paul says to the church in Ephesians, I pray for the eyes of your heart to be illuminated. That you may understand your calling. That you may understand God's plan. That you may understand God's incredible power. That you may understand the full power of the resurrection of Christ. That your eyes would be opened. I really like the portion of scripture in Luke 24 verse 46 where Jesus appears after his resurrection to his disciples and they don't believe it's him, they think it's a ghost. And the Bible tells us that Jesus opened their minds. They were believers. They were his apostles. But their minds had not been opened. They had a block here. Jesus opened their minds and gave revelation to them. That what happened after that revelation? That they might understand the word of God. Sometimes when we read the Bible, it's just like reading a story. It's a religious book. It becomes a habit. I must read it every day. But are our minds opened from reading it? Does the Holy Spirit give us revelation as we read and pray? We see Elijah. And uh, he was told that the king is coming to kill him. But he was at peace. But his servant wasn't. He said, Master, look around you. You're surrounded by enemies. And he replied, those who are with us are greater than those around us. But the servant didn't understand. Where are they then? Who are those people? Who is it that is with you? And he replied and prayed, said, Lord, open the eyes of the servant that he might understand. And the servant's eyes were opened. And he saw. He saw the heavenly army that was surrounding him. And his problem was solved. 
This is our problem. We need, we need God not only to open the eyes of our spirit, but to illuminate it. When we repented, our eyes were opened. But it's not enough for our eyes just to be opened. Because the light of our eyes has become weak. Our ability to see has been weakened and God wants to give us an ability to see that we might just throw aside our glasses. When Jesus healed the blind man, he said, do you see? He said, uh, well, I see, but it's, it's kind of blurry. So Jesus touched him a second time. Now what? Now I see everything clearly. That was a second touch, and we need that second touch. Lord, touch our eyes. That we may see, see your truth, to understand spiritual secrets, to understand God's plan, to understand the glorious power of your promises, to understand the position and the authority we have in Christ, to understand the full what it means the fellowship to have fellowship with God. God says that it is through ignorance and lack of understanding that my people are slaves. It is through lack of understanding that we become lost. God wants us to understand. And this is something that isn't really learned. Listening to our preaching won't help you understand. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. You must allow the Holy Spirit to heal you. Heal your minds and illuminate your minds. Give revelation to you. Give a vision to you. Only then will you be able to say, Praise you, God. My problem has been solved. I'd like to finish my sermon with a short testimony. It's about a man who had been a believer for 35 years. He was a very good believer. He uh, was a member of a church, which was a good church, but didn't believe in the gift of healing. And this man had uh, ulcers in his stomach. And he was in a lot of pain. He was suffering. Ah, and in his church, when, when he shared about his problem, they would say, well, in heaven, you'll be free from that one day. I mean, you could, you could say that in a sense, that they thought that man already had one foot in the grave. He was a very sweet Christian. But he was a member of a church which hadn't had a full revelation about the gift of healing. I remember there were three or four uh, young boys. I was one of them. And the Lord had already revealed to us how he heals. 
We were new in our faith. Two years in our faith. We went to this person's house. And we started to speak very powerfully about God's miracles and how he heals. This man had been a believer for 35 years, but all of a sudden his mind was opened. And believe me, his face completely changed. And a new light could be seen sparkling in his eyes. Uh, he said, I know this whole Bible off by heart. But you, you've come, you're just kids, and you're coming, you're coming explaining things to me that I've never understood. Oh, woe is me, why don't I have revelations like you have? And we comforted him, and we said, you're our teacher, and you have many things that we don't understand. But this is one thing that we ha- we understand that we're sharing with you. And he said, I understand, I accept this. Pray that I may be healed. His wife had prepared dinner. The wife said, let's eat our dinner first and then you can pray after dinner. So he went to sit at the dinner table. All the different dishes were on the table. But that man's, uh, that man's dinner was put to one side. He used to eat the most basic foods. He wasn't allowed to eat kebab. He wasn't allowed chicken. He wasn't allowed to drink uh, things. He wasn't allowed anything salty. I mean, he wasn't allowed to eat most things, actually. <laughs> and he's become completely thin like a bone. During the dinner, when we were eating and drinking, <laughs> during dinner, suddenly we saw that man stretch out his arm and gra- grab a chicken drumstick and start chomping on it. He took the best bit of the barbecued meat, the kind of juiciest bit, and started eating it. He started drinking Pepsi. And suddenly he understood what was happening to him. He said, what's going on? I thought, I thought we agreed that you'd pray for my healing after dinner. But when he received the revelation of the word, he didn't even need prayer after that. He was already healed. (laughs) Believe me that after that healing, he became even fatter than me. And then he went to his church and started preaching about healing and miracles. They kicked... They kicked him out of the church. <laughs> and he came and became a preacher in our church. The revelation healed him. Can you, can you understand what power there is in revelation? It's a personal thing. 
I can't give you revelation. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to reveal to you and give you a new faith. Then you'll trust in the Lord. And then you won't say that Brother Charles told me to do this, so I did it. Brother Edward advised me to do this, so I did it. So that you won't be able to say if Edward tells me the wrong thing, I go and complain to him. You say, Lord, reveal to me. Give me a revelation. Like David who says, Lord, open my eyes that I may understand wonderful things. Then you'll be able to trust in the Lord. So be released, be freed from these three things which prevent you trusting. And don't allow them to get in the way of you trusting in God. Let's pray. Let's stand and pray. I'd like to pray for the three points that we heard today in our sermon. And I want to pray that God gives us freedom. And you must believe that God can free us from these things. Heavenly Father, we trust in you. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch us that we would not rely on our present circumstances. Help us to see the future. And to trust that those things which we have not yet received from you, we will receive in time. Heavenly Lord, help us not to compare our lives with other people. Help us not to rely on other people. Help us to understand and believe that you have a separate plan for each one of us. And help us look to you. Help us not to look to others. Lord, may you be the one that leads and guides us. May you show your paths and ways to us. Lord, open our minds as well. Open the eyes of our spirit that we might receive revelation from you. That we might receive light from your word. Give us a vision, Lord. And heal our minds. We're asking this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let us give praise to God that we're able to overcome the things which interfere in our faith. We'll finish this meeting with this song and as we sing, let us remember that we, people of faith, can overcome. Hallelujah! Vor tu dar you know, yet mezi perka, 
Kodam ki hachut yan hamar Parkezi hai Hallelujah Parkez vortu Ye parkezi obzur poki Hallelujah Parkezi hai Amen Parkez vortu Ye parkezi obzur poki Amen Vestirot hamar Or nu mekester Vor khachi varam Estuitvir Yekniti charka Velumer mefker Mez hamar anzat Zoheti Parkezi hai Parkez vortu Ye parkezi obzur poki Alleluia, parkezi air, parkez vortu. Ye parkezi obzur poki, parkozorutian orkyar tur poki, borovikyan kshurjetir amen. Interesting truth, parkevelo. Եվիմ սրտի մեջ նարպեցի, պարկեզի այրը, պարկեզ որդում, եվ պարկեզի ով սուրպոքի ամեն, Amen. Ah. 